0: I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today, in Jesus' name. We are in uh, Psalm 80 and uh, moving through. Only 70 more after today. And uh, read a psalm about... Restoring Israel. Interesting. it's a psalm about the restoration of, of God's people and uh, and what God has done because of their unfaithfulness and uh, His desire to restore them because He is faithful. And this is a psalm. This is a psalm to God. In fact, it starts directly all uh, directly that way. He says, "Give ear, O Shepherd of Israel." What he says, he he wants God to hear us, and and he wants God to uh, know our heart in this matter, and. You can always put yourself in the position of the one who the Bible is speaking about and measure yourself up to that. That is a great way to study the Bible. Uh, If Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, think of yourself as a Pharisee because you can. You can become legalistic and and things like that. If he's dealing with somebody caught in sin, obviously that could be all of us. And we we all are in that, in the clutches and the and the in uh, the battle against uh, those uh, the things in our lives that are destroying us, and uh, obviously we can be that. Obviously, anyone who's afflicted, maybe with a disease or a, a situation in life, you put yourself in those in in those shoes, and you can, as you study the word, you can see God's answer to those people. He's speaking directly to those situations, and then you realize He's speaking to you about some area of your life. And that's true every time the Word of God is is preached. And I'm not talking about just talking about good Christian things. And like my seminary professor used to say, preaching about good stuff, meaning things you can find on the internet and and slogans and things like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about literally the Word. The Word of God is what changes things. Nothing really else does. And, And a statement made by me from myself may have some value as far as in the moment but it's not eternal because the words I say are not eternal unless they're the words I agree with God about. And the words that are spoken that are eternal are the words that are in, a, in direct agreement with what God has to say, because God's word is what is eternal. He said, he said, you who led Joseph like a flock. And he's talking about them going into the, going into Egypt and Abraham uh, was called out and then Isaac and Jacob to follow and then Joseph uh, his, uh, his Jacob's second to uh, youngest son and uh, he went into Egypt and and was sold into slavery but God noticed he said you led Joseph like a flock, meaning, meaning that even in the worst of that situation, and we know about Joseph and the coat of many colors. And if you don't know that story, you need to read it. You need to know that story and that he was sold by his brothers because they were jealous as a slave into Egypt and his, his dealings with Potiphar and his wife and then ultimately being in jail and then ultimately being able to, to not only reveal to the king his vision, but tell, him, but tell him exactly what was going to happen, and he, he rose to second in the kingdom because of that. He said, you who lead led Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. What he's saying is you who are at the mercy seat, that's, that's the place of, where the Ark of the Covenant is and where the cherubim uh, <clears throat> sit and where the altar of God is, that is the, the place where God sits. And even in heaven, he, he 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 is seated surrounded by cherubim and you can see that even in the revelation the throne of god is surrounded on four sides by four great cherubs and so he's calling out to god in his position as king of the universe and his position as as our our god that we go speak to before ephraim benjamin and manasseh stir up your strength what he's asking is lord we're asking for you to, to be sh- show us your strength in, in front of us. Do it right there in the midst of us. And if you understand the position of those tribes, that's right in the center of, of Israel. He says, I want you to stir up yourself and your strength right in the middle of us. What a great prayer that is, actually. And even though the people have been, they've been, the best you can say is they've been unfaithful. The worst you can say is they've been outright rebellious. And I can say that. Today, in 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 uh, my heart, I have been unfaithful and rebellious, and I'm sure you can too. And I'm quite sure you can see that the church has been that—that that the church in America has been, in many ways, unfaithful and in in some ways outright rebellious against God and His Word, and have rejected His Word and rejected His truth, and and that can be easily seen. But the desire for God to stir up His strength in the midst of us still remains it's still there and it can be seen i think it was seen in a powerful way Sunday morning during the altar call there is a desire among god's people to see a powerful movement of his hand among us and and that is a good thing and uh that is a thing that is being ignited by the holy spirit and not by humans because uh, humans don't naturally rise up and beg God for his movement and his work in their lives. God initiates that, and then we acquiesce and assent to it and, and, and ask him to do it. And so here he says, and come and save us. He's saying, we we need you in the middle of this. And uh, when God's people wander away, he goes and finds them and he brings them back. And he restores them. And there needs to be a time of restoration. And the restoration doesn't need to be of the things that we want to be like it used to be here in America. The restoration needs to be an, an internal restoration, a, a spiritual revival that needs to take place. And uh, and it can't take place amongst the lost. It's not going to take place among the godless, we can't say, uh, to the people who are running the streets to turn toward God. They're godless. They're anarchist. They're Marxist. They're, they're not going to do that. They, they abhor God. They reject the revival has to take place among us. And we are the strongest and we are the most. And, and it doesn't matter what color you are. If you have a relationship with uh, Jesus Christ, you're a part of a family and, and we are. And it's a strong family. He says, restore us, God, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Notice, when God shows up and he reveals himself, salvation is not far behind. And that is true. That's a powerful statement and a true statement. Oh, Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry? And that's a good question. Because remember, God's anger is against sin, and it's against the sin of the world, but it's also against... The, remember the unfaithfulness and the rebellious b- rebellion of his people. And his anger is not for the purpose of destruction, but his anger is for the purpose of restoration. His anger is for the purpose of, of making change. And so there does need to be change. There does need to be a seeking of God and, not, and, and a call to seek God, a call to revival, uh, to revival, to repentance. He said, "O Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry against the prayer of your people? He's angry against the prayer of his people because the people have had the hearts far from him. You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in great measure. Wow, that's, that's, uh, that, that is normally the position of God's people when they find themselves wandering away from him. Tears and tears to a great measure. La- L- listen. The world will tell you all sorts of things, but those things, when they do not line up with what God has told you to do through His Word, cannot be followed. You must follow what God said, and, and that's not equi- uh, That's unequivocal. That's a truth. That's a truth that's been true since the uh, foundation of the earth. Those truths have carried on for millennia, and we have to be a people who do what God says. And not what the world coerces us to do, or not what the world entices us to do. There's coercion to do what you don't want to do, but there's enticement to do what you do want to do, even though it's not in your best interest, and it's not what God would have you do. He says, you have made us a strife to our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. That's what happens when you, when you do what you, what you shouldn't. He says, restore us, O God of hosts. Cause your, cause your face to shine and we will be saved. He says it again. Notice that the issue is that, that we're full of tears and, and our enemies are laughing at us because we have not, we've not placed God in the center of our lives. So his, his power and his strength is not in there. He says, you have brought a vine out of Egypt. And, and he's talking, he's going back to that very beginning. You led your flock into Egypt through Joseph and you brought the vine, the olive tree, the, you brought the, the grapevine out of Egypt. And he, he says, you brought your best, your goodness, your chosen people out of Egypt. You cast out the nations and planted it. Notice he removed all the, all the things that uh, would cause distraction, all the things that would choke out the, the strength of that vine. And that's what he did when you plant, he planted you individually into his kingdom also. That's when it, what he did when he grafted you into the vine also. And you are, you grafted in and, and, and you've been planted in God's kingdom and he cleared out the, he cleared out the, the weeds and he, he, removed all the impediments to your growth and he, he made the soil good and solid. And that's what he did when he planted Israel in, 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 in the promised land. And that's what he did also. You're the one who has allowed uh, the weeds back into your life. You're the one who has brought in rocks that are not the rocks of our salvation, that are not, that is not the rock of our strength, who is God. You brought in other idols to, to amuse you and to, and to, for your own enjoyment. And those idols of your own desires are are choking off the good resources of God and the weeds of this world and, and its desires and the people of this world are choking out the strength that is in you. You did that. He didn't do that. You prepare room for it and caused it to keep root and, and it filled the land. Notice when God plants you in a right place and it's, in, and it's in good soil, you don't only grow, but you fill the whole land. You prosper it. He says, and the hills were covered with its shadows, with its shadow, and the mighty cedars with its boughs, meaning we grew up higher than the mountains and higher than the trees. that we, When God moves, he moves us to powerful places and high places. He says, the, he says, she sent out her boughs to the sea and her branches to the river. Notice it went from the river on the east all the way to the ocean in the west. And, and those are pictures, obviously, of being a, a blessing to the Gentiles to the sea and rooting in to the river, to the flowing waters of the Holy Spirit. He says, why have you broken down your hedges so that all who pass by may, so that all who pass by by the way pluck her fruit. Notice God put hedges of protection around us. We're the ones who remove those hedges of protection. And the hedges of protection that God has put around us are his truth. Okay. His word. And th- there, there's no way to get around it. We have removed those hedges of protection. We have moved those, removed those truths and we have uh, set them aside and not walked in them. The boar out of the woods uproots it and and the boar is a, a picture obviously of an unclean animal but it but it's wild in nature it's not one that's domesticated it's one that is that lives out in the woods and lives on its own and so it's unclean and it's wild and it has its own des- It it it's uncontrollable and that's true of the wild boar that the boar has really uh taken root in especially in south alabama <laughs> And there's areas where it's hard to grow anything because because they're uncontrollable and they multiply hundreds and thousands. And the when you take down the hedge of God's protection that is his word, when you take down that hedge of his uh, protection, which is his word, and you leave yourself vulnerable, the wild, unclean beast of this world will come in and uproot everything. Can can you not see that today in the in in the country we live in? Can you not see that today, but well, it's true. It's it, the truth of God's word remains and everything else passes away. He says, return, we beseech you, O God of hosts. He's, he's again asking, come, like he said earlier, come in right in the middle of us and, and show your strength. And then, then he's beseeching, he's begging God of hosts, look down from heaven and see and visit the vine. He's saying, he's say, he's, it's, a, it's a direct prayer. Look down and visit us. Be with us. And I, I really believe that that we're starting to see, see some of that, especially revival where we're at. And and I'm I'm looking for I'm looking for for it to be better and more and greater as the months and years to come happen. He says, and the vineyard which your right hand has planted, and the branch that you made strong for yourself. Notice he's calling him to come back because we're the ones that are part of his plan. We're the ones that glorify him. We're the ones who he set up to show his mercy and his grace and his power. He says, it is burned with fire and it is cut down. They perish at the rebuke of your countenance. Notice, notice. he says, when you show up, you destroy the evil that is innocent and you burn out the those things that are not of you. And we need that. We do. We need that. He said, let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of man whom you made strong for yourself. And this is actually a prophecy of Jesus. He's, prophet, he's being prophetic about his son, the son of man, but it's generally speaks of all of us because we are the son of man, but we come from the line of Adam, but it also is God's right hand moving through Jesus. And really that's the, that's the catalyst for uh, all the work of God is the finished work of Jesus Christ which he imputes to us, which he empowers through us, and which he pushes us to do the work of his will from that. He says, revive us and we will call upon your name. He says, then we will not turn back from you. Revive us and we will call upon your name. And and boy, what a great uh, a desire that is to say to God. Rev- revive means that To not bring new life. Revive means to give us more strength, to give us to bring us to the place where you originally meant for us to be, in full power and full strength. He says, Revive us and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine. And that's the third time he said that. To make your face shining. And that means to be able to see Him fully. It's to put His face right in front of ours so that we can know his countenance. I was in court even yesterday and the judge lamented about wearing masks because you can't see all that is being communicated when somebody speaks without seeing their face. And most of the communication that people uh, make is with their facial expressions and with their body language and it's not with their mouth. And what the psalmist is asking for over and over again is to see the countenance of God, not only to hear his word, but to see how that plays out in his countenance, to, to know the heart of not only hearing his word, but seeing his reaction to what's going on. And that's where life is found. That's, that's where your understanding is made, is that you literally not only hear his word, but his heart by seeing his face in the midst of that word. Uh, in the midst of that truth, in the midst of that understanding, you, you see the resolute nature of who God is and the purposes of God and the eternality of his work that doesn't end and is is outside of time. All time is present with God. And so it also is true with, with when I see his face. And, and the psalmist is for the third time asking God to show his countenance. I not only want to hear your word but I wanna see your heart in the midst of that word. I wanna know the full nature and the full measure of who you are, God. And by knowing that, I'm changed by it. I'm empowered by it and and, and commissioned and sent by it. He says, he says, cause your face to shine and we will be saved. And salvation only comes from him. The work of salvation only comes from God. It doesn't come from uh, human plans—it doesn't come from human uh, design. It comes from human. It comes from God's word and His countenance and His face bearing down upon us, so that we see Him in, a, in His fullness. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that He'll make His face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.